All right. You may notice a little bit of a different arrangement this morning. If you come in on any kind of regular basis, you're sitting around tables. There's two reasons for that. Number one, we've had exam slam this week. And so we've been feeding like 40 or 50 college kids for the last four days around tables. And they've been studying in here. And so this was easier. That's the first reason. The second reason is, you know, we're in our series called Conversations on the Road to Emmaus. And so we've been having an interactive dialogue and teaching time as I speak and ask questions and you're giving me feedback. But today, you're going to interact amongst yourselves around your table. So it'll benefit you greatly if you're able to do so. So if you need to combine a little bit, that's fine. If you don't know people at your table, you're not going to have to, de- you're not going to, have to bear your soul. It's okay. You'll be fine. If you're like me and you're a little introverted, I just terrified you. But you will survive, I promise you. All right? Nothing too hard. In fact, I'm going to ease us into this, high, this way of doing this with just a couple of questions as we go so you can uh, get to know each other a little bit. I mean, we do, you are at a church service called Connection, you know. So you kind of signed up when you walked in the door that you're going to connect with other people, you know. <laughs> so that's, that's how it works, and it's, it's going to be good. I promise. You'll be fine. The request specifically, the first week we did interaction, I said, hey, what is the things, what are some obstacles to your spiritual walk that we need to have a conversation around? And one of the requests was dealing with frustrating people. Now you're thinking to yourself, if I'm sitting at the table with those people, I'm in trouble, right? But this, the request was, how do I get along with somebody who frustrates me? Or how do I handle that? Or how does, they, they tend to derail my ability to be a Christian, Maybe you can relate to what I'm saying. You know somebody who makes you less than spiritual. Well, without getting in too deep a process on that, um, we're all wonderful Christians until we get behind the wheel of a car, right? And then the person who just turned in front of you or isn't going fast enough made you less Jesus-like. Maybe you... (laughs) Maybe you can relate to that. I know Starkville's not a booming metropolis. I know we don't have massive traffic. But a lot of the locals thank Jesus when school's out because the traffic just diminishes by 80%. And places that take 20 minutes to get to take five when school is not in session. (laughs) And we're more spiritual because we're not getting derailed in our spirituality as we drive. But it's true, right? We love Jesus our whole heart. Then we get behind the wheel of a car. Then everyone around us is out to destroy our personal agenda, or at least that's how it feels, right? I'm supposed to have been there 10 minutes ago. Yes, I should have left 20 minutes earlier, but I didn't, and now you're in my way. <laughs> maybe it's not even that kind when you say those things, right? But maybe there's something else. Maybe there's a, there is a relationship in your life that deals you constant frustration or flat-out anger and rage. Maybe. And so the question becomes, if I'm a follower of Jesus, how does that work together? What do I do about that? So we're going to have some conversations. So here's the first one. Here's where you get to break into your little table pods here. Just for a few minutes, nothing long. At your table, how does being frustrated derail you spiritually? How does your experience with frustration derail you spiritually? You want to take a few minutes to share that with your table mates. And like I said, if you need to adjust your location to help with this process to get more out of it, go for it. How does being frustrated derail you spiritually?
Yeah, I failed to mention, you don't know everybody at your table, make sure you do introductions too. It is a place called Connection, all right? So share names before you dive into your question. Some of you are at tables where you know everybody. Let me give you like a one minute warning. Make sure you, if you haven't had a chance to share, you pass that responsibility around a little bit. <laughs> Matthew 18 says this. Sorry to cut you off. I know you're having fun. Matthew 18 says this. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive them? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 70 times seven times. 
<laughs> All right? So G Peter has had a chance to hear Jesus talk about forgiveness when somebody wrongs him. In fact, Jewish tradition would be when somebody is a repeat offender, that you would forgive them three times, and after that they were beyond forgiveness. Now think about that for a minute. The Jewish teaching that Peter would have been familiar with was three times after that, too bad, so sad, I no longer forgive you. And so when Peter asked the question, maybe for the whole group, like how often are we supposed to forgive or how many times are we supposed to forgive repeat offenders, people who continuously are a source of frustration in our life? When do we get a pass? Seven? Peter's being super spiritual with his answer. If the Jewish tradition was three, Peter's like doubling down thinking he's got it all figured out. God, I'm going to be this gracious. I know it's supposed to be three, but probably seven is like double plus one. How cool a spiritual answer. How good am I, Jesus? You know, Peter's always like got foot and mouth disease. You know what I mean? Like seven, right? Jesus' answer goes, no, 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 no. Seventy times seven, my dude. 490. Although that still doesn't give you a pass at 490. His point is what? That you're always, you're not supposed to not forgive, when so, especially when somebody comes to you seeking forgiveness. But when you're, somebody, you're dealing with somebody in your life who is frustrating you or maybe who has sinned against you, Jesus is like, the principle is, if they're seeking forgiveness, you're supposed to forgive, period. But wait, they're still frustrating me. They're still hurting me. This is crazy. I got to forgive them. Yes, again. <laughs> and again. And again. Because even when we think we are being gracious or spiritual, or maybe you have turned the other cheek on somebody for a really long time or multiple occasions, even when we think we are approaching the level of spiritual forgiveness, we have not even gotten close to how gracious God is with us. Now think about that for a second. It's not about, it's not about three. It's not about seven. It's not about 490. Okay, that's 491. You're toast even if you kept track of that many times. By the way, that would be very frustrating. I, I would hate for that to happen to you. And if you kept track, we can talk about that too. You know, you know, but, but here's the thing. Even if we go to 490, we still have not approached the level of grace that God displays on us. Do a quick count of how many times you've sinned against God. If you can. Have you passed 490 yet? This week? <laughs> right? You had even got close. The principle that God displays on us applies to us and other people. Now, that's not easy, right? I get that. Hey, Charlie, that's really hard. Yeah, I know. If it was easy, my job would be easy. You forgave him again, right? Cool. See you next Sunday. That's not easy. So second question, why do you think it's so difficult to continue to be patient or forgiving with someone over and over and over. Why is it so difficult to keep going back to that well? Discuss. I love that. It's like a Saturday Night Live sketch all of a sudden. Talk amongst yourselves. Huh? That's right. Discuss.
One minute warning. So Jesus continues to answer Peter with a parable. So after he says 70 times 7, he says this, For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with the slaves. When he began his reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all his possessions, so payment may be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him and said, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. Out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves, who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what happened, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then the Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I have had mercy on you? And in his anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Wow. Got to work on the forgiveness thing. Got to work on the patience thing, right? Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to be tortured until I pay my debt. So some strong words. Well, the 490 principle, I just coined a phrase, the 490 principle <laughs> is this. Apply the same grace and patience to others that you want God to apply to you. The 490 principle is be as patient and as gracious with others even when they wrong you over and over again as you want God to be gracious to you when you sin over and over again. That's a good principle. It's a good biblical principle. Jesus says, I will forgive you to the level that you forgive others. And at the very end of the parable, he goes, your Father in heaven will do the same thing to you that don't forgive. Jesus takes forgiveness. Jesus takes patience with others very seriously. And so there's a life principle. So what do you do if somebody is frustrating you over and over again or wronging you over and over again or hurting you over and over again? The 490 principle is, do you want God to forgive you? 
Or do you expect God to be patient with you over and over and over again? Because if you can think back to everything you've done wrong, God's forgiven that too, and forgiven that too. And he wants us, the parable is basically saying, I want you to apply that principle to the others. I mean, who are the characters in the story, right? You got the king who forgives the first slave who owned 10,000 talents. That's a pretty big debt. Wiped it out. Slave turns around and goes and runs into a guy who owes him 10 bucks and doesn't forgive him. I don't know if that's the exact translation, but you get the idea, right? It's by, his, by comparison to what was forgiven, not a big deal. And he has him thrown in jail over the debt. And when the Lord finds out about it, the king finds out about it, he goes, if I forgave you 10,000, shouldn't you have forgiven 10? What's wrong with you? And he drops the hammer on him for not being gracious, Right? If God has forgiven you 490, why are you worried about seven? If God has poured out times 10,000 on you, why are you worried about the 10? Right? Oh. We've got a heart search to do when it comes to moments in our life that are frustrating, right? We've got some checking to do. Because if God is that gracious with us, and we, all can, we can handle the small debts that our friends have done with us or our significant other has done with us or, that our, or the person, even the person who cuts us off in traffic. That's a $3 debt. You know what I mean? That's like a no big deal debt. Because I guarantee you they just didn't see you. By the way, that's why I don't typically wear Christian markers on the back of my car because I have no idea who I'm offending. Just saying. <laughs> right? You wear a Jesus fish and then you just run people over. That's, that's a good witness. Now, if you, now, if you do, it's okay. Maybe they'll forgive you 490 also. I don't know. But just me. Because I don't know what I drive. Like when you're behind me, I have no idea. Just saying. We do that, right? We offend people without even realizing we've offended people. We hurt people without even realizing we've hurt people. Or we've been hurt and they haven't realized they've even hurt us. So part of this is there has to be some dialogue and some communication when we've been wronged. Otherwise, it's just like, ah, cut me off. Or they hurt me, or they lied to me again, or they whatever. And you let that stuff boil. Not good. The 490 principle applies. If I want God to forgive me when I'm not good, then I need to be forgiving toward others to the same level that God, that I want God to forgive me. So that leaves us with two really important opportunities when we have those moments in our life when we're frustrated, or when we're wronged, or when we're hurt. We've got two huge opportunities. The first one is an opportunity for self-examination. Wait, wait, they offended me. I know. <laughs> the first opportunity is some deep self-examination. Why am I so angry? Why am I so frustrated? What is going on inside of me that I feel the way I do about what they've done? Now, it could be deep personal hurt, and you may have all the reasons in the world to be upset. I'm not, I'm not denying that. But, but why do I feel like the person in, who cut me off in traffic was a personal attack on me? <laughs> right? Like, why? They've lied again. Why am I so angry? What's going on inside of me? Okay. Maybe they wronged me. Maybe, there, maybe there's some just anger there. But we have to be careful and make sure that the anger and the frustration we're feeling is justified. Because it might be as simple as they didn't see you when they pulled out in front of you. And we read into what's happened 
we read into the interaction a personal attack on our character, which it's not. It could be as minor as they didn't see you or didn't know that what they said would be offensive or didn't know that what they said would hurt your feelings that way. They just don't know. That doesn't make them right. But they weren't out to blow up your personal agenda. They weren't out to get you. They weren't trying to hurt you. And so why are we so quick to arm up? Get them back. That's the part that needs the examination. It's okay to be hurt. The question is, are we reacting too fast to something that's a $10 debt? That takes a little gut check. Now, if it's a $10,000 debt, the first part of Matthew 18 is a whole other sermon. There's a process for that. When somebody really does hurt you and wrong you, Matthew 18 lays out the principle of going to them and talking to them about it. Why do you think that is? To make sure they even know they hurt you. To give them an opportunity to ask for forgiveness. Sometimes we don't want to give them that window because we like being angry. Think about that for a minute. It's kind of like Jonah keeps popping back up in my sermons for whatever reason. I don't know why. Jonah didn't want to preach to the Ninevites, right? Why? Because they might say yes to Jesus or God if he did. So he's like, I don't want to go preach because they might actually, you might actually forgive them if they respond. <laughs> the same principle applies. Sometimes we don't want to go seek out an end to the conflict or seek out communication over how we got hurt because they may actually seek forgiveness. And if they do, what have I got to do? I got to forgive them. And I might not want to. I like being angry at them. It gives me purpose. Right? There's something comfortable about being upset with somebody. That's our normal. And so if that's your normal, you're walking around looking for reasons to be upset at people. Maybe you know somebody like that. What's going to tick me off today? Maybe it's not that overt, <laughs> right? But there's a deep level of comfort with anger and pain and emotion that they carry around. And so if nobody, if, if the world's going too good, i got to blow something up so it won't. This relationship's been too loving and stable and romantic. Something's not right. I need to do something to blow this up. And maybe it's not that conscious, right? But I have seen that play out over and over again. Because if you don't know how to be in those relationships, then when it's going well, we don't know what to do with that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, every boyfriend I've ever had to stab me in the back, he's bound to be cheating kind of feeling, even if he's not. We're assuming something's happening there that's not. It happens. So when we're frustrated, when we're hurt by somebody, it's an incredible opportunity first to go, is this me or is this for real? Is this something inside of me that's coming up because of the circumstances? Or is this legit injustice and hurt that needs to be resolved between two people? Then if it is, a whole other set of principles apply, right? Going to them and talking to them and seeking to work it out versus letting it fester. But if it's just you, then it's an opportunity to put that frustration down. It's an opportunity to let go of things that really are $10 debts instead of letting it derail who you are spiritually and following Jesus. I mean, the question was... The first question was, what happens, how do I keep, how, how does, I can't even think of my question, how does frustration derail me spiritually? By hanging on to frustration. By camping out on it. 
by not letting it go, by not finding a way to let it go, it'll make you walking around an angry person. And an angry person is not going to demonstrate love. An angry person is going to be consumed by that hate and that anger and be hurtful and angry toward people because they're hurtful and angry toward people or people, toward people in the first place. Does that make any sense? You get what I'm saying, right? And so the first opportunity is when we're frustrated, when we're angry, is an opportunity to let go of anger and frustration or to check out what's really going on inside of us that may be derailing our spiritual life. In other words... The frustration that we feel, the anger we feel, might be a symptom of something deeper here. And it might also be genuine hurt for a genuine reason. we got to make sure we know which one we're dealing with. Because this one, we go deal with it. This one, we got to let it go because that's what God's called us to do and just move past it. The second one, this is not a light sermon... The second opportunity you have when you feel frustration and anger, we've already been talking about this a little bit, is just an opportunity to demonstrate God's love and forgiveness to somebody else. You get to be forgiving and gracious when you're wronged. That sounds weird, doesn't it? You get to be loving and gracious. You get to be the king in the parable and forgive the 10,000. When somebody really does hurt you, you have an opportunity to display the same grace God's displayed to you. And that's not fun. That's not easy. And that doesn't mean, oh, we're all besties and loving and trusting and everything's fine. That's not what I mean. <laughs> right? It didn't happen. You stole my car. We're good. You know, like, that's not how it works. <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. But you have an opportunity to forgive them anyway. Does trust have to be rebuilt? You betcha. Is the conversation itself a challenge? You better believe it. But instead of thinking about it as something we dread or something we really don't want to do, it's an opportunity to do for others what God's already done for us. It's the 490 principle again. It's I'm going to be as forgiving to the person who hurt me as I want God to be forgiving towards me when I hurt him. It's an opportunity. Now, I think if we frame it that way in our mind, that we get to be loving the way God loves us, it's a different conversation when we go to have that conversation. I'm not looking for justice. I'm not looking for retribution. I'm not looking for to equalize things. I'm looking, how can I be loving and gracious in this conversation? Because what if they turn their nose up at you and go, I didn't do anything. What's wrong with you? <laughs> opportunity number two to be loving and gracious in the same conversation, right? I mean, if they won't acknowledge it, you're like, oh, man. What's our tendency? To be more, even more angry. To be more, even more escalated. See, they, didn't even, they won't even listen when I go to them. Maybe I should have preached all of Matthew 18 because there's a principle there too, right? Instead of escalating further and being more mad and more vengeful, Matthew 18 says you take somebody else to back you up and you ask for forgiveness, you ask them to forgive you again. Or you get what I'm saying. You approach them again about whatever it is. Because now you've got a second witness that can testify to the wrong. I am teaching all of Matthew 18 now, just bear with me. And if they don't listen then, it says take the issue to church leaders, to your pastor. 
you're getting called into the preacher's office, <laughs> right? Now, what's the point? Where does Jesus place the value? Is it on getting equity and revenge? It's on demonstrating love, number one. And number two, it's preserving the relationships. His value in making sure you air this, making sure you're loving and forgiveness, forgiving, is to keep the relationship in place. To demonstrate God's love to somebody else. If this person who wronged you doesn't even follow Jesus, and you go to him and say, hey, you know, what you said was hurtful or whatever the circumstances are, but I forgive you. <laughs> I didn't know I upset you, but that's weird. You know what I mean? Like, how do they receive that? You know? I did that to you. I know I did that. I know I did that to you, and you, you're, you forgive me? You have just demonstrated to the, the gospel to somebody who doesn't know the gospel. Because the next question out of their mouth is, why do you care and why are you seeking to forgive me? Because God forgave me. And that's what I'm supposed to do. See, presenting the gospel is not always making sure somebody knows their four spiritual laws. Sometimes it's just being Jesus to somebody else. Sometimes it's just, do, what would Jesus do? <laughs> Sometimes it's that simple. Sometimes it's being Jesus to somebody else who's wronged or hurt me. Because that may be the only Jesus they ever encounter. And so you've got this opportunity. We think, oh man, this is awful. They've hurt me. I don't like them very much. And that's the frame we walk around with. And I'm angry and I'm bitter and I don't want to let this go because it makes me feel warm inside to be angry. <laughs> Instead, the frame is, yeah, they hurt, they hurt me. Or yeah, they frustrate me. Here's my opportunity. What's going on in here? And how can I be loving in those circumstances? And you may be going, man, that's a tall order. And I would agree with you. And I'm, I would never pretend, even as your pastor, you go, ah, I got this down pat. Are you kidding me? It's a growth area for me too, but that's the beauty of this. Both the ability to look at yourself and go, where am I still being sinful in this? Where am I holding on to rage? Where am I holding on to frustration for frustration's sake and letting it go? That is a step of spiritual growth. The ability to let it go is a, is a, is a spiritual growth point for you. To finally put it behind you and to walk past it is to grow spiritually. To demonstrate love, the love of God to somebody who's unlovable or unloving is a spiritual growth step that Jesus calls us to. It's easy to love the people. Jesus says it this way. It's easy to love the people that you get along with. Great. I say, love your enemies. So to do both of these things, to release it inside of here even if it's justified, or to make sure it's justified is a spiritual growth point. To demonstrate love and forgiveness, whatever that looks like in the relationship, takes a spiritual step too, because it is hard. It is challenging. It is against our nature. But to live, because it's, because it's against our sinful nature to do so. Our sinful nature wants revenge. Our sinful nature wants to blow stuff up. 
<laughs> right? And to get even. Well, then the alternative is the godly and holy thing to do. So to do that in the face of the challenge is to take a leap of faith and a spiritual step toward more, being more and more like Jesus. Forgiving somebody who's hurt you may be the hardest thing to do spiritually. Probably harder than tithing. <laughs> probably harder than a lot. Of, keep making sure you read your Bible every day. It's probably one of the most challenging things to do. To look at yourself honestly and to look at a situation as an opportunity to love when you don't want to. That's tough. I agree. But it's an opportunity to be Jesus to somebody else. That's the opportunity in front of you. That's the way to think about it, to do the thing that's so hard. I get to be loving like Jesus. Let's pray. Gracious God. We deal with frustration every day. People hurt us. People wrong us. People get in our way. They frustrate our goals. They step on our toes. They reveal what's going on inside of our heart. We confess all of that to you. We ask... One, we ask for healing where we've been hurt. We ask that your spirit would heal, would soothe, would quiet our angry hearts. And we ask that you would fill us in such a way that we would be empowered to be you to other people. Don't let our anger, don't let our frustration, don't let our sin come between us. Instead, forgive us. And fill us with such love for you out of that forgiveness that we can live for 90 for everybody else. So we can introduce them to the love you have so richly poured out upon us. In Christ's name.